you've got a Bible, please turn with me to 2 Timothy and uh, chapter 1. I just want to read a couple of verses, continuing with our series of uh, occupants of the house. Before we read the scriptures together and we're going to pray, uh, I wonder if those people who are involved in welcoming um, here at Arena Church, um, whether you're on car parking, whether you're down in the lobby area, whether you're on the top, and also those who are involved in the resource hub and drinks, I wonder if you'd just stand to your feet, would you, please? Even if you're just about to go on the roster, just stand to your feet, please, if you would. I'd like us to just look around and... I'd, the reason what, what, we, what we do, we, this is a value of ours. We believe in being a welcoming community. And uh, I absolutely love that people are here, they're early, they've set up, and they just give such a great welcome. So I wonder if we could give them a real rousing round of applause. Thanks. Really do appreciate you very much if you'd like to take, to take your seats. That's great. Just one final thing before we pray. Um, I just really want you to think about who you're going to bring. Um, on the 28th of February, we have the visit of Teen Challenge. And Teen Challenge, there's a group of guys that are going to, that are going to be coming. My understanding is that Jay Fallon, Sandy, is that right? Jay Fallon is going to be with them. Jay is an outstanding communicator of God's word. I didn't know we were getting Jay here with us. He is truly outstanding. And... Uh, very, very excited about the visit of these men who are going to be coming. They've lived a life uh, that many of you, I guess, could associate with. Some of you can, some of you can't. But they've just got incredible testimonies of God's redeeming grace over their lives. And uh, I want to encourage you to use that uh, as an opportunity to bring people. Don't let it pass you by. Just think, who can I bring? Who, even if they've got, not got a background about that, they'll, just, they'll minister in song, testament. It'll just be... An absolutely riveting night. I, I, I tr- you can absolutely go to the bank on that. It really will. So I want to encourage you to bring, and let's see, uh, an opening night attendance. Can you remember for those who were here on the opening night, we were hitting 140, 150 people. Let's believe that that, that Sunday we're going to really press through, you know, certainly through the 100 mark, into, uh, and believe that people are going to be really touched by the testimonies. And thanks to those who do... Uh, bring people. We really do appreciate that. We're not a church that is trying to gather other Christians. Let me be clear about that. We thank God for those people who've come from other contexts and and you're finding a home here and we we think that's great. But I want to be clear, we are a church who believes in reaching out to lost people. People who are lost and who are desperate and who are needy. That is our market. We have no interest in emptying other churches we are interested in seeing people born again. Amen? Yes. Well, there's five people who believe that. So I'll say it again. We believe in people being born again. Amen? Yes. Young people, old people, black people, Chinese people, white people, rich people, poor people, elderly people, and everybody in between. Have I missed somebody? That is who we believe in God for. Amen? Great, there's about five of you that are awake, so I'm going to have to do some work to keep it going. I wonder if somebody would be just kind enough to open that other door through. Now, we've gone from one extreme to another. Sorry? Oh, is it the 27th? You all know what I'm talking about. It's the last Sunday in the month. Okay. Um, yeah, we've gone from one extreme to the other, where in, in that we've now 
uh, we were cold and now we're hit, boiling hot and I want to keep you awake, uh, yeah, awake tonight. So let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you that we can come together and we can gather in the name of Jesus. We don't gather in any other name. We don't gather in the, in the name of Arena Church. We don't gather in the name of Assemblies of God. We gather in the name of Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you that you have saved us and that you have set us free. And we thank you that you've just given us a little bit of insight into how to build good foundations in our lives and how to lay great foundations in the church. And we believe, Lord, that we've heard some very practical things of things that we want in the church and some things that we definitely don't want in the church. And tonight we're going to be addressing something that we definitely want to see happening in the church. We recognize that we can't stir this up. It has nothing to do with us. This is all about you. And so we commit these words to you over these next 20, 25 minutes that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tonight I'm going to be looking at an occupant of the house. And the occupant of the house that I want to look at is power. Is power. My first induction coming into um, Arena Church um, in Ilkeston, because we have, for those who don't know, the two locations, Ilkeston and Mansfield, I guess the first few months of being there, I started to minister, and it was a different church to what it is now, and there were some of you around when, when I first arrived. I remember speaking about the God of power and how God wanted to work in power through our lives. And I thought I was doing all right. I, I don't think I did any, said anything controversial for once. I ministered from the scriptures, and straight away a woman rushed straight to me. She got stuck into me like you wouldn't believe. She was just saying, God is a God of love and all you've declared is he's a God of power and you're a power-hungry young man and all you're interested in is power and I can see that that's all you're bothered about is power. Thankfully, we never saw her again. Hip hip. I won't tell you what I said to her, but suffice to say, she never came back. Okay. But the reality is... I believe that God is a God of love. I believe that God is a God of compassion. I believe that God is a God of tenderness. And he is gentle and he is kind, but he is also a God of power. The scriptures teach it. He is a God of power. Through his word, all that we see was created. And I understand that NASA have found another, is it thousand planets or... 10,000 planets, something quite incredible. I mean, you can't get your head around the universe in which we are part of. It is immense. And the power of God's word that was spoken, spoken into being. That's power. That's power. And we're going to be looking at tonight about how God wants us to live with power. I'm not encouraging power hungry I'm not encouraging power that's oppressive like we've seen in communism rulers or leadership dictatorship. I'm not talking about that kind of power. I'm talking about the authentic, real God's power at work. The kind that raised the dead. The kind that lame walked. The kind that eyes were opened. The kind of power that turned water into the wine. The kind of power that enabled the, the, the saviour, the Messiah, to walk on water. That's the kind of power that I'm talking about. That's the kind of power that I'm desiring in my life. That's the kind of power that we're desiring in the life of Arena Church, where there's just an atmosphere for the miraculous, where it's not extraordinary to see the miraculous, but it's a very ordinary occurrence, where cancer is removed in Jesus' name, 
We're the deaf here once again. Just remarkable going on. Where God is at work, you say, well, Christian, that's for Africa, that's for Asia, that's for other places of the world. It has been there, but I am committed to seeing it in the United Kingdom. I believe that God wants to breathe a can upon us by his spirit. I believe that God wants to move upon us by his spirit. I believe that God wants to begin to anoint men and women with the power of God to see the power of God released in incredible, outstanding ways. Now, you may say, well, how is that going to happen? Well, I want to just give you a number of things. The product of power and how this power comes about. And then we're going to look at some encounters. But before I do that, you thought I'd forgot about 2 Timothy in chapter 1. Well, I haven't because it says in verse 6, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. There's something significant that happens as we lay hands on people. You may be wondering, why do we encourage the laying on of hands? Why do we encourage people when we say at times, just gather around and just pray for people? Because there's something imparted as we lay hands on them. As we say in the name of Jesus, something begins to happen. There's power that's released. And I'm not talking about from the clergy. I'm talking about from, you know, the the believers in Christ Jesus. I'm not talking about, you know, a vicar has to do that and bring a blessing let me tell you, there's power. There should be power in, the, in, in, in us ministers, you know, professional ministers. But there's power in the body. So we believe that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, there's power that's released. So Paul reminds Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. And then verse says, it says this, For God did not give us... A spirit of timidity. Some versions say a spirit of fear. Everybody say fear. Fear Fear is not an occupant of this house. Fear will be kept at the door. We do not want to live with fear, do we, any longer? We want to live free, not full of fear. And God says, I didn't give you fear. I want to tell you, if you're living with fear, that's from the enemy. That's from experience. That's from things that are binding you. I understand the, 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 the huge... Uh, disabling capacities of, of fear. It's an awful thing to live in fear. I understand many of you may be living in fear. I'm not condemning you. I'm just wanting to say that isn't where God wants you to live. And if you will go on the journey towards God, and you'll come on the journey in this church, you'll hear preaching, you'll sing songs of worship that will liberate you from your fear. I believe that in Jesus' name. I really believe that fear is going to be broken. This is not an atmosphere of fear. It's an atmosphere of faith. So God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear. But what did he give us? A spirit of power and of sound mind. I want to look at power. God says, I did give you power. Now, you may be here and thinking, well, that's fine, Christian. I'm, I'm desperate to know how power can be in my life. I want to just give you very four simple things that I believe are a product of power. There's others that you could look at. You've got to ask the teaching, theologian, anointed, reverend, (laughs) Filippo Pai here. And he will give us the running commentary of it. But I have four and none of them match, as in they're not all the same letter, which is typical of me. But here's the four, in all seriousness, 
The first thing I want to say, if you are wanting power in your life, you need to be a person of prayer. You need to be a person of prayer. I want to just draw your attention to the book of Acts, if you just turn with me, please. Acts chapter 1. We had a great prayer meeting on Friday night over at, at Ilkeston, and I asked Phil to just open up the, 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 the time together, just as we often do with just some exhortation. It was great what Phil um, read from, and interestingly, what he didn't know is I was working through the same material a few hours earlier. And um, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, well, the instruction was, and I could go to that, he said, but wait in Jerusalem... For my gift, for the gift, because this Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. And then Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea and the ends of the earth. So they've, they've received this great instruction. Bearing in mind these disciples were full of fear. They were full of the unknown. They didn't know what was happening in their life. Jesus has, has just gone, has left them. They've seen him nailed to a cross. One of the disciples, key disciples, he disowned Jesus. They were running scared, guys. They were just like you and me, unsure what was happening. They'd never done this before. They'd never been this place before. And they get an instruction to just wait in the city, so they waited. But as they waited, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, I loved what they waited on. It says here, they all joined together constantly in prayer, in prayer. Phil mentioned a great statement, I thought I'll nick that for Sunday night. He spoke about the unanimous voice, they all joined together in prayer. There was a unanimous voice that resounded up to heaven. If we want to be people of power, we need to be people of prayer. We need to be people of prayer and not prayer on the run. Do you all know what prayer on the run is? Brushing your teeth, oh Jesus, bless me. Please bless me today. Yeah, you all know what prayer on the run is? You're grabbing the car. Bye, love. Jesus, please help me today. You're in the car. Now there's nothing wrong with prayer and not prayer on the run. It sounds like nuns on the run. You've seen that film. Prayer on the run. You know, this t- God hears all of our prayers. But I'm encouraging you, each and every one of you, to find a place of prayer. However your position needs to be, whether you bow the knee before God early in the morning, whether you do it through at a lunchtime and you're able to find a place in your workplace where nobody will bother you, or whether you're at home in an evening, but you find a place of prayer where you begin to call on God for your life, for the needs that are around you, for the needs of others, where you begin to develop an intimacy with God. I want to say fire will begin to burn on each and every one of us as we find a place of prayer. It's interesting to note as well, they all join together constantly in prayer. I believe power will only happen as we unify our hearts. As we unify our hearts. There's a unity of coming together. Let me be honest with you tonight. There may be some things about this service that you've not quite enjoyed. That's fine. There may be some songs that we've sung that you thought, well, I'm not keen on that one. I like that one. That's my favourite. But we sung that one and I'm not very happy. Well, that's fine. But don't let that be a stumbling block to unity. So often we've allowed 
petty things. Are you here? Am I allowed to talk freely tonight? We've allowed petty things to get in the way. Some of them are style issues. If we're not preaching from the Bible, then please come and tell us, but it's all rooted in the Scriptures. It's not even open to interpretation. They all joined together in prayer. So there's a unifying. There's a coming together. There's a coming together of our hearts, your heart to my heart, my heart to your heart. There's incredible power, Psalm 133, that says, where brothers dwell together in unity, there the Lord commands the blessing. I believe there's power that's released as a company of people come together. Let me move quickly. I believe if we want a a series about seeing the power of God released, there needs to be a desperation. A desperation, Christian? Where do you see that in scriptures? I see it running all the way through the scriptures. A desperation. A calling on God. A calling on him. It's interesting, Acts 2 verse 42, it uses a very significant word. It talks about the early church, how they devoted themselves. There was a devotion. There was a passion. There was an outpouring of devotion to the things that were so important to the king and to the master. And they endeavoured to build them into the life of the church because they knew that as they did those things, read on from Acts 2.42 onwards, great miracles were done amongst the group that was there. There was a desperation. There was a devotion. I've been reading a book about Billy Graham, the leadership secrets from Billy Graham. One of the things that he talks about very early on in the book, talks about Ignite. It's interesting though, people have said, oh, Billy Graham's not full of the Spirit. I want to say, what a load of rubbish. That guy is absolutely full of the Holy Spirit. And he identifies in the late 40s how he came to England and he heard a preacher, an English guy, and he, he realised that this English preacher, I think his name was Stephen Olford, had something that Billy Graham didn't have. And he asked to meet him and he met with him in a hotel. And, the guy, and, and he spoke with Billy Graham and Billy Graham was due to preach that night But nothing, there was nothing there because the Welsh were used to really fantastic preaching where where you opened up the scriptures, where you dissect it. And frankly, this American was pretty lightweight in many of their minds. And Billy Graham knew that he didn't have the thing that this preacher had got, this young preacher. And so he asked him if he could meet him again the following day. And he writes in the scriptures as they begin to talk. And this man encouraged Billy to just abandon himself before God and surrender everything and give everything to God and allow the Spirit to work within him. He talks about how Billy Graham began to walk and he began to laugh in the Spirit. But things begun to happen. He says, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Something begun to happen in this man's, in Billy Graham's life. He stood up the, that night. I tell you what, they, 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 history records. There was a marked something about Billy Graham. He preached with anointing, with passion and with power. There was a desperation of him saying, God, if you do not come upon my life, if you do not pour out your life upon me, then this is going to be worth nothing. I want to say Arena Church is all about that. We're not just going through some really good songs, which we love. We want some flashing lights. We want some electric guitars. We want some great outreach. But if the power of God is not amongst us, what is it worth? What is it worth? It's the power of God that will change lives. Desperation. Fourthly, a discontentment. I did think about two other Ds, Phil, but I couldn't quite get there. Because there was prayer, unity, desperation, and discontentment. 
The very well-connected desperation and discontentment. If we want the power of God, we have to be discontented. To say, I'm not happy where I am. I'm not happy to stay where I am. I'm not happy to just see a few miracles or no miracles, but we run nice church. I'm absolutely, you know, there's a discontentment in my heart. I'm not happy to just go with the status quo. There's the song. I don't just want the status quo songs. Well, I'm just proposing. I'm not talking about that status quo. I'm talking about the status quo of just everything normal and everything as it is. Don't touch it. Don't, don't, no, don't, don't touch it. I'll flipping well touch it. Because there needs to be a holy discontentment that arises in all of our hearts. That we say, you know, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for touching me. Thank you for loving me. But I want more of you. I want more of you. I just want to be like a sponge. Just keep pouring it out so I can pour out, out of others. And a discontentment to say, you know what? When I hear a whisper, I'm not going to allow fear to grip me. I'm going to do it in Jesus' name. When there's that whisper to say, go and pray for that person. Go and pray for that person. You say, I'm going to do it. Because I'm discontented with how I'm living. Now, there are the four things. I didn't want to labor there. I feel like I have. They're, They're things that I believe will be very helpful to bring the power of God, because prayer connects us with God, unity connects us with the people, and desperation and discontentment really just begin to speak to our hearts and say, what is really important? Is, is the house important? Is the car? Is the career? Are the cars important? No, none of those things are important, because I'm desperate for you, Jesus. Yeah, I'm so desperate for you. I believe that if we'll begin to do those things, We'll have a power encounter. Let me give you four things that happen, and then we'll just look at a couple of verses together because time's gone from us, and I want to give opportunity to worship and for us to pray for one another. If people want to be prayed tonight, then I want to do that in Jesus' name. We can't talk about power and then not begin to give opportunity for it to be demonstrated. Amen. Amen. Don't want anybody freaked out by that. We'll just go with the flow of what God wants to do. But there is an encounter. Four things. First of all, a power encounter is visible. Secondly, it's demonstrative. Thirdly, it's life-changing. Fourthly, it's unexplainable. Let me work through them a little bit of a time, shall I? I want you to just turn with me the first one to visible. Luke 24, verse 49. It says in verse 49, Jesus writing, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Clothed with power from on high. Notice Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. There is something visible about a power encounter. You know when somebody's been in the presence of God and when somebody hasn't. You know when a preacher's standing up and blagging it and when they're not. You know when somebody's got it and when they haven't. Hello? It's not how loud you shout, but there's something deep within. You know that somebody's got it and those who haven't. Because it is visible. When we have a power encounter, 
There is something visibly different about our lives. There's something tangible about our lives. There have been a number of occasions, I don't say this without any sense of boast, where I feel like I have touched God, both in private times and in corporate times, and it's been clear, not only to me, but also those around me, that there have been something significantly visible about the presence of God over my life. I know some of you well, and I've seen at times, and it's not just emotion, where God has so gripped some of your hearts, and there has been a power encounter, and it is visible. I want to say the world needs to see the church arise. We just don't want to be known because of nice adverts. And by the way, Dave's got us a great advert in the chat and the observer, these touch point things. So if you see Arena Church all over the place, when you see it, just pray, because we're wanting to see influence. But Arena Church isn't just about nice adverts. Arena Church is seeking to be all that it can be and live with a visible encounter of God. The second thing is it's demonstrative. What am I saying by demonstration? Well, there's a demonstration. And 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4, Paul says that I didn't come with wise and persuasive words, but I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Let me be clear tonight, I am absolutely thrilled. Phil is not just a man who comes with wise and persuasive words, but he comes with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I say that, because I need to say that before I say this, because here is a man who is able to come with wise and persuasive words. His ability to open the Scriptures and to use language that, that, that not only hits with the common man, but also hits with the man of intellect is incredible. But we're not into just wise and persuasive words. Because if we just want wise and persuasive words, we may as well just be scientists. We may as well just be academics. I have nothing wrong with academia. If any of you are doing, Beck, you're doing a degree, fantastic. There's a number of people here who are thinking about going to university and have done university. Wonderful, fantastic. I applaud you. I think it's awesome. We don't just want that in Christendom. And that is part of the problem at the moment, that it seems like that that all we're interested in is academia. We're just wanting all all the boxes ticked. We needed a theological response to this, that, and the other. Listen, Phil knows me well. I'm not really as worried about those things. What I am interested in the demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's where I'm focused my heart, that's where we have focused our hearts to believe God in those areas. So we need to see a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Let me just finish with these last two, very quickly. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 5, and I'll tug you around the scriptures a little bit, but I want to read four verses together, and then we're going to finish. Are you still with me tonight? Are you enjoying yourself? Nudge the person next to you and say, are you still awake? Okay, you're all awake now. Acts chapter 5 and verse 12, it says this, The apostles performed, note the language, many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. 
All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. That's written there for all those people who think, well, it's not really about going to church. It's not really bothered about the gathering. I want to tell you, God's very interested in the gathering. Very interested. And we see it there. Verse 13. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Get this. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around them, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. What were my last two points on a power encounter? Thirdly, it will be life-changing Fourthly, it would be unexplainable. We've just read an account here of a life-changing encounter with countless, countless people. Where even Peter's shadow was cast upon the sick and they were healed. This was life-changing. People with demons, people with evil spirits, people who were sick were released. It was life-changing for them. This is what we're talking about in a power encounter. And fourthly, it was unexplainable. Can I ask, how can we explain someone's shadow falling on somebody that brings healing to people? Can anybody explain that to me? There are many scientists who would say, or historians or academics, who would say, well, the scriptures aren't be to believed. It was just written by man. I want to tell you, this book is God-breathed. This book is sharp. I believe every word in this book. You've heard me say, I don't like every word in this book. Does anybody like every word in this book? No. Particularly that bit, bit where it says you have to love your enemies. I want to punch my enemies. Oh, I'm not talking about that tonight. I'm having a joke with you guys. He's up a little bit. I believe every word in this book. So when it says that his shadow fell on people, and they were healed, I say that that is the reality, this is truth, but it's unexplainable. And there are some miracles that are unexplainable. There are some things that God does which are unexplainable. There are some situations that you go through, and we want to have the answers, well, why did I have to go through that? Caroline just said something to me over the weekend, and just said, Christian, can I ask you, why did we have to go through that? I says, I don't know. I have no idea. But eternity will tell its own story of why I needed to go through that or why we needed to go through it. So there are some things that happen to us that are unexplainable and there are some things that happen to other people that are truly unexplainable and it's a power encounter. As I close, is anybody in for a power encounter? No, I'm going to ask you again. Is anybody in for a power encounter? Does anybody want to be touched by God? Well, we need to be people of prayer. We need to be people who are united together. We need to be people who are discontent and desperate for God. That is where we need to be. Every day, falling on our knees and saying, God, please come amongst us. And he will begin to do something unexplainable, life-changing. It will be visible. It will be powerful as it becomes an occupants, occupant of your house and our house. I wonder if the guys who are leading us in worship would come.